Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. Hello, this is Dr. Marilisa Jimenez Garcia. Today we are interviewing Lara Sagisag uh, on her book that uh, came out in 2019, Incorrigibles and Innocence, Constructing Childhood and Citizenship in Progressive Era Comics. Um, Lara is a uh, professor at Staten, no, Staten Island CUNY, right? College of Staten Island, yes. College of Staten um, and so we're going to be talking today about uh, some takeaways and, and her background and, and her research. But Lara, I just uh, always wanted to have the opportunity to talk to you about some of these things. So I'm really excited to be able to do so. Um, but my first question for you is how did your background shape your research? Uh, thank you so much, Marilisa, for uh, you know having this conversation with me about my book. Um, and that's a really good question um, because I... Uh, you know, I always look at this book as an opportunity for me to learn about my adopted country. I immigrated to the United States about like a, a bit more than a decade ago. And this project became a way for me to learn about the history of this country. You know, um, you know, when I was growing up in the Philippines, being a former colony of the United States, like I had some like uh, knowledge about the United States. But when I embarked on this journey to like, write this book, I realized how much I did not know. Um, and it really, like this project became a way for me to learn about how complex the history of the United States is. And that includes like, you know, like how complex it's, the, this nation's relationship is with like issues of race and ethnicity and immigration and gender and class. Um, and it was very, uh, like uh, enlightening and illuminating for me to go through this journey. And, um, you know, I, I think it's also a way for me to look at um, how I, I would say it was a very humbling experience, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, when, I, when I started my research, I felt like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to look at these pictures of children, <laughs> these like, narratives about children, and then like, you know, interpret them and, and whatever. But I guess like, it was um, to actually put them in their historical context um, made me realize, like, oh, there is something more to this um, than, than just like, these like, two-dimensional images that were being printed on newspapers, that they were very, very um, complex and complicated um, texts. Um, that said a lot about childhood and the United States itself. Uh, and I think, um, you know, this is a book about, not just about childhood, but it's also a book about citizenship. And again, because of my own background as an, an immigrant, I became so invested in exploring how this country has defined citizenship um, and how it, you know, permits and limits uh, membership to particular groups um, in, in this country. Hmm. 
Um, I think one of the things about the book that really attracted me in terms of the research I do as well was the connections that you make between childhood and citizenship. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Maybe just talk about what the connection is that you really hope readers grasp as they're reading the text? Yes, um, because, you know, I, I guess it, what was fascinating for me was to learn, like, while I was, like, looking through these materials, I, I think um, it came, the realization that these comics were not just about childhood, but were also about citizenship, and how these comics were tying those two concepts together, I didn't realize that in the beginning. You know, I was just, again, I was just, like, looking at, the, the children, like, you know, oh, look, look at these like rowdy, mischievous children. And it was <laughs> yeah. really difficult for me to kind of like put together these concepts in their historical context. Like, you know, that these texts were being produced at a moment when um, there were so many like, you know, volatile debates about citizenship during the progressive era. So it took me a while to get there. But finally, when I did, um, and to be honest, I can't, I can't even recall like when that magic mm -hmm. moment happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it just like came in little like um, fits, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I remember looking at like how these texts tended to define like different kinds of childhood in different ways. Like, so what, what mm. I mean is like, you know, like um, that these, even though many of these trips were about children, that's like something they shared in common, they defined childhoods according to gender and race and class and ethnicity in very very different ways um and it depends on what ki kind of child you are um that you would get like more um you, you would have more agency or more ability to exercise his citizenship um and you know it and what was fascinating is is when i was looking at some of these texts uh i think some of the the so uh, let, let me be clear. Like I, th I think the the in my book, I make this clear argument where um, these texts were clearly uh, tended to celebrate white male um, middle class upper upper class children, but they yeah. were kind of um, sharing like uh, these belief where you know maybe maybe girls can also be citizens maybe black children can also be ch uh, citizens maybe immigrants can also be citizens so there was like this kind of like um suggestion of potential in these like non-white non-male children um but on the other hand what was complicated about these texts is that they also um you know limited this the exercise of citizenship of of like um again these the children who were not white or male or middle mm. middle or upper mm -hmm. class. Wow. Wow. Um, and I think, you know, um, you might've answered this a little bit, but I still wanted to ask you more specifically, how did you get interested in uh, childhood studies and by also after that comics, or were you always interested in both? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because I think that the reason why I got interest or I, the reason I pursue this project was because um, these two things, childhood and citizenship, were things I've always been excited about. Um, mm -hmm. And I never, you know, I, I did not grow up wanting to be a scholar you know i was just like a fan i was a fan of children's <laughs> books i was a fan of narratives about childhood i was a fan of comics um and it was only later on that i felt like oh i this 
passion that I have, I can actually use like um utilize it and kind of like look more carefully um at these texts um well not and, and you know while not losing this passion you know and like mm. even as i dissected these texts it, did, it didn't mean that um i would love them any less uh mm-hmm. my relationship with them did change though of course like you know because it's a little difficult to be looking at texts that i loved in childhood and then realize like oh there's something very racist or sexist about these texts <laughs> right, um, right, right. So of course but i feel like that actually helped me become a better thinker, you know, because I feel mm. like it was acknowledging both like this, um, this love for this material, but also realizing that our relationships with these materials that we love can be also very ambivalent. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, to be honest, like this, this book started as my dissertation in graduate school. And I, I remember being told like it has to be this is a project you're going to be living with um for a while uh and if you think about publishing it after you know after um you earn your your phd um you will be living with it for a few more years so Mm -hmm. i felt like i have to invest my time in a project that i really feel um strongly about and again as, as somebody who um you know i just never outgrew my love for children's narratives um and children's texts and i felt like okay this is something i think that i i can live with and thankfully i feel like through through this process um my relationship with both like childhood and children's texts and um comics has changed um and i have to say too it's uh I, I really genuinely like children. Um, I don't I don't have children. Um, I don't think I will ever have children. But I genuinely uh, really love to work with them. I really love mm-hmm. to observe them. I really love mm-hmm. to listen to them. And and I felt like uh, this project, what or a, a project in childhood studies, is a way for me to kind of like um, engage with the ways that we think about children and engage with children themselves. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, so one of the things that I was going to ask you as well was like, you you kind of talked about the process of going through these, you know, different narratives and also kind of going back and seeing some of the racism that maybe um, readers may have not noticed, or maybe they would have noticed depending on um, the context. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like, what are some, some things that you were surprised by when you were doing the research? Well, I guess like um, you know, the text that I'm, the text that I started with have been studied so much um, mm. in comics histories. Like you know, the Yellow Kid, the Cats and Jammer right. Kids. These are very, very familiar texts. Um, and so I, my, my panic actually in the beginning was like, what new thing can I actually say <laughs> about these right. texts? And I think that was what was surprising was. Um, that there were like the angle of looking at these texts, focusing on childhood and how, you know, these, um, these child characters were being used to define um, U.S. citizenship right. uh, did open up like uh, different ways to read these texts. Uh, and the other thing that, of course, it surprised me, um, you know, I, I don't know why I was so surprised, but um but but what did surprise me was like when I finally went to the archives to look at these newspapers was like just how plentiful images of childhood were in the comics, but also how diverse. Hmm. Um, again, in the end, I want to emphasize that um, there was this tendency of these comics to celebrate uh, white male childhood. 
Um, but there were like these experiments, you know, to kind of like reimagine um, the the black child as beyond the stereotype of the pickaninny, for example, or to reimagine like you know the the stereotypical image of the um, inscrutable Chinese child, right? Mm. That they um, that there were these attempts by cartoonists, uh, many of whom were. Um, were white themselves, you know. Uh, there were many attempts by these cartoonists to kind of like think about different kinds of childhood, and I think that that kind of diversity um, and experimentation did did surprise me. Hmm. Okay. Um, what would you want the big takeaway to be uh, for your readers? Well, um, for me, this project uh, was. What what I really loved about doing it was having to sh uh, being able to demonstrate how two things comics and childhood that we tend to think about as um, you know like on the one hand we think about childhood as temporary it's a stage that we outgrow right mm, yeah. um, we think about comics as disposable and ephemeral um, things that you know like entertain us for like especially the newspaper comic strip it entertains us for a day and then we throw it away right. Um, I, I really felt like, you know, this was a chance for me to demonstrate how these things that we usually kind of like consider temporary, um, kind of consider as like, you know, um, not, not so important or insignificant actually do have um, political, economic, social, and cultural significance. Um, especially because like in the, 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 the comic strips, what I loved about them um, was that they during the progressive era, they were like, you know, I guess like, it's it's kind of hard to find like an equivalent in the 21st century, but they were like, they circulated so widely um, and they became kind of like the, you know, a sh this shared medium among multiple audiences. And what, what fascinated me about these um, strips was that they were able to kind of express these complicated views about childhood and citizenship um, during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Mm. So since you're looking at this time in history, the progressive era, right? Um, what, what would you say is so important about that time that is currently impacting us today or that is parallel to what we're seeing today perhaps in conversations about race um, and ethnicity um, in children's literature and childhood studies? Right uh, that's a really good question because um, I remember when I was finishing this book you know I was like in my head I was just thinking okay this is like this happened 100 <laughs> years ago done <laughs> right and then I remember um, uh, a friend of mine had had made a comment about like maybe you can consider like, you know, connecting some of these readings to what's going on today. And it took me a while to kind of like think about that. Like, um, but then I start like, once I got that suggestion, I started looking at uh, like, you know, so I, I looked at Calvin and Hobbes, um, which was produced in the late 20th century and is still being read today. I still kind of like embodying that very, like that, white male child right as as a uh, kind of like the ideal kind of child or co ideal comic strip child um and 
I kind of saw like, oh, it's like, you know, he, he is still like, he is the, um, the descendant of Buster Brown. He's the descendant in a way of also the Cats and Jammer kids. Um, like, you know, this, this naughty boy who can get away pretty much with anything and, and people find him cute and adorable, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, when I started looking a little bit more closely at, uh, like, Calvin, I felt like he was able to get away with certain things because he was white and he was a boy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how um, those are things that, um, as I say in the conclusion of my book, um, you know, black male children who behave like Calvin will not be celebrated in that way. Mm-hmm. In fact, they are murdered, you know? And yeah. um, so or so it's... Um, it was very striking to me once I made that connection and, you know, it was actually very painful to realize like, you know, a hundred years later that we're still in pretty much the same boat. Um, And it's also, I think um, when I, in chapter four, where I discuss little Nemo and slumberland, um, I I very briefly gestured towards how this, uh, this comic strip is a fantasy about um, us expansionism and colonialism. I really felt, you know, as somebody, again, who um, is from the Philippines, it was painful for me to recognize, like, this, that these narratives about colonialism um, haven't, haven't really gone away, that they have just found new forms, um, you know, in the Philippines, but also new forms um, in other places around the world. So, mm. in many ways, like, um, it is, you know, I don't think I'm saying anything new here, but uh, I feel like my my book insists that you know that it is important for us to look at history to look at the past and recognize the new forms that they find mm-hmm. um you know like in in our present moment hmm. so you and i worked on the diversity committee for quite a few years in the chla which is our another association we're a part of um and i just you know thinking about that term diversity right which is also very important to the current conversation as well about like sort of diversifying academia, diversifying our associations, diversifying our literature. Um, What would you say to that conversation or maybe like, what would you like to see more of in a conversation about diversity given your experiences as well and also in your research? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So I think uh, I, this is something I'm also learning as I go along. I am very devoted to diversifying, um, you know, membership in associations, diversifying academia. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, what does that really mean? Uh, right. And I struggle with that. And I'm uh, the thing that I'm trying to do is focusing less on diversity and thinking more about equity. Um because it's, I, I feel like that's what's lacking in the conversation. Hmm. Um, and, or, you know, I, or I guess it is part of the conversation, but it is not as highlighted. And so I really am interested in seeing more um, equitable forms of engagement, of, um, of scholarship, um, and thinking about ways where, uh, like, you know, research and education is not available to a lot of people. And I think our current, public health crisis, uh, you know, yes, living in a time yes. of COVID-19, I think it, it yes. has become more apparent. Um, these 
inequities have become a lot more um, apparent. So definitely that's something I want to focus on. Then the other thing I feel like I would like the, our field, uh, the, the field of children's literature um, to um, expand on is, and I try to do this a little bit in, in my book, um, but I, I don't think I do it enough, but really include children's voices. Um, because I was looking at historical material, I was able to find like these, you know, like letters that children wrote to newspaper editors expressing their like or dislike of some of the characters. And I was able to include some of them in, in my text. But really, my, my book is um, more focused on kind of like just representations of childhood. I didn't really give enough voice to like child readers mm. and I think this conversation that we have about diversity I think it still um, tends to be adult centered it's the adult speaking for the child right the adult worried worried about the child the adult trying to protect the child and I'm curious what will happen if we include children in research about diversity do more ethnographic research and ask them how do you really respond to these texts that are racist and I f and, and sexist because mm -hmm. I feel like children will actually show us that they have they you know if you want to think that children have agency then I think we'll realize that they have very complex responses right. to the text that they're not just these passive vessels that are being necessarily hurt and harmed by the text now I'm not saying Right. I'm mm -hmm. not saying mm -hmm. that um, let's just produce whatever text there is, regardless of like racist or sexist content or problematic content. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we definitely should work to kind of like produce um, like uh, texts that uh, represent different kinds of childhoods. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, uh, you know, incorporating children's responses to these texts might reveal to us that, um, you know, children are active readers, um, are complicated readers, are complicated people. Um, and I think um, acknowledging that might bring our field into new directions. Wow. So what's next for you? What's your, maybe a next project okay. that's coming up? <laughs> Even though it's hard to think um, about these things right yeah, now. I know. I, <laughs> I know. Um, no, so right now I'm trying to work on a book that examines... Um, children's literature in light of um, uh, issues of climate change. Um, oh, more, wow. more specifically, I'm looking at um, uh, issues of extraction and extractivism and energy regimes. So I'm trying to look at, so um, let, me, let me be more specific. I'm trying to look at uh, children's texts and how they portray um, oil um, and oil industries, um, oil spills. Uh, and I'm just trying to look at, you know, how children's literature engages or does not engage with um, oil, which is everywhere, right? That shapes our day-to-day -day lives. But I think there's kind of like this silence about oil. Um, and I'm trying, I'm hoping that my project will help um, illuminate uh, the fact that we're so oil dependent um, and to a frightening degree that we don't even um, know that no, or are, that we're not even aware of this, uh, of the high level of our dependence. Oh. Well, that sounds very exciting. And um, yeah, uh, so I was thinking also of um, in terms of your, what you just said about the climate change, is that something that you will be incorporating 
some of this idea about the children's voices in? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm hoping that a chapter of my book will um, look at the different child activists, um, hmm. and definitely more than just uh, uh, like the the more popular ones like Greta Thunberg, um, you know, right. really look at like, um, and, I, and I say that not to dismiss her, her work, right. of course, right, but like really um, to look at uh, the, the young people of color who have been um, like protesting against um, extraction um, and, you know, who are probably not like, um, like, profiled so often um, in, in the news. Uh, I, I really uh, would like to um, engage with them. It's, this will be a challenge for me um, because it is, again, um, working, with, uh, working with the young people and kind of like, inter like interviewing them is not something that I'm, I'm used to. <laughs> I'm used to studying representations of, of, mm -hmm. of childhood, but mm -hmm. I feel like um, in including their voices um, in this, uh, in in this new book that I'm working on um, is something that I think, uh, it, it, I think it is essential to really include their voices. Well, well, we look forward to that new project and we congratulate you on this wonderful book, Incorrigibles and Innocence, Constructing Childhood and Citizenship in Progressive Era Comics. Thank you so much, Lara. And this was Marilisa Jimenez interviewing Lara Sagisai. Thank you so much, Marilisa. This was so much fun. Take care, Lara. Thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. shcy.org.